And Gary Neville responded instantly. He said, but I've got so much more to say on this subject. I found lots of people like that. It, 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 it's a rivalry of such intensity and emotion. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The OTB Football Roadshow in association with Cadbury FC. So our first pick, Brian, Paul McGrath. Another darling of Inchicore? Yeah, Paul. Well, look, it's hard to pay full appreciation to Paul and his fabulous ability. Um, and what a great gentleman he is. But what a brilliant, brilliant footballer he was. So, so strong, so de- determined, so dominant in the game, in contrast to his personality off the pitch. Such a gentle giant. A, a kind of almost meek at times, and certainly... Uh, no show off by any means, but yet on the pitch he he was such a such a profound influence on the teams he played with. Um, I can remember the first time I saw him. I was managing the team in in Ternyer in the Senior League, CYM, and he, he was playing against our second team for for Dorky United. And I remember wondering why is this lad playing at this level? Wow! And being startled by his ability in the game. He was playing midfield, but very dominant in, in the game. And. Uh, Later that season, at the end of the season, I happened to see him again because the Leinster Senior League played the Mayo League in the final of the Oscar Trainer Cup up in what was then the AIB grounds on Fortfield Road in Ternier. The only League of Ireland manager who was at it was uh, uh, Charlie Walker, famous manager, St. Patrick Celetic, who unfortunately has passed away since. I remember hearing shortly after that St. Patrick Celetic had signed him and having a little interest in Pats myself, even though I hadn't been involved with St. Pats in any way, other than being a supporter as a kid, I was pleased they signed him. But, you know, he obviously went up there just one season of Pats, I think it was uh, the 82-83 season. And then Manchester United obviously signed him. Billy Beam was keeping his eye on him, the, the fantastic Manchester United scout who had an, an eye for players that was probably well unmatched in Britain and Ireland, I'd say, of potential. And he saw that potential, much as he saw with, with Kevin Morden and lots of other players that went from Ireland to Manchester United, like said, Tony, Tony Dunham, Paddy Roach and several others that got their chance, Jerry, da- Jerry Daly. And while it took him a bit of time to get into Manchester United team, what a career he had. The respect that he clearly had from his peers as well, like he straddled that first division Premier League era, but he was the player's player of the year in the first season of the Premier League. Yes, an extraordinary achievement to be the the PFA Player of the Year um, in his in his fourth season in a league of so many great players, and in an era of tough football where the rules are were, were applied a lot differently than they are now. Defensively, players had to be strong and uh, at, uh, at at their best in every game. I mean, he he imposed himself on on the game in, in such a way when you think of that that those players who probably the majority of the players in the league at that time probably didn't know him didn't weren't aware of him wouldn't have been aware of his background he wasn't a, an international player he hadn't established him and they're voting for him as the PFA player of the year an amazing achievement and so much of McGrath's career goes down in folklore because of the way he put his body on the line having had to deal with these injuries from such a young age and it all boils up in giant stadium on the greatest day for Irish football where his knee is in bits yet somehow he holds it all together against the best attacking talent in the world 
Yeah, um, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be there on that amazing day, Nathan, and uh, it, it's right. His performance that day is is rightfully considered legendary. Um, his his ability to read situations and. Uh, while he was a, a good tackler and a, a, a very strong tackler when required, it was his ability to to read the situation. But that performance on that particular day was probably the iconic performance of his career because it was so much at stake. The first game in the in, in the World Cup, uh, as you said, Italy were such a outstanding favourites to win the game. Such a brilliant team, but yet his uh, his performance. And obviously, Ray Houghton's goal were the were the two key elements of a, a what was a magnificent day for Irish football. Our next pick is John Giles, and if we were having a debate of the greatest Irish players, John would always be a big part of that debate. But when it comes to influence as a player going over to Manchester United in the late fifties, as a manager of Ireland of Shamrock Rovers, and then as a pundit, such a influential figure on our TV screens. Like he spans so many generations of influence in Irish football. I don't think there is anyone else who's had a bigger bigger influence on Irish football um, ever, given uh, some of the, those things that you mentioned. The fact that he, he got into the Irish team at such a young age in 1959. I think, he, I think he was 19 when he played. He'd only played a couple of games for Manchester United. For 20 years, John Joyce played for the Irish team. He didn't have a huge number of caps. I think it was under 60 caps. Mm. But that time, we didn't play an awful lot of games anyway. There wasn't so many games in the qualification process for the different tournaments and friendlies were scarce. He was very influential in the professionalism of the Irish international team. I mean, Liam Toohey, a great friend of mine, was the previous manager, and he was probably the first one who actually picked the team himself. He was influential in both the preparation team. You have to remember at that time, Nathan, we played most of our international matches on a Sunday. Now, we would have some games midweek, maybe on a Wednesday night, but generally we were playing on Sunday. The players played on Saturday in England. I mean, by no means was that ideal, but but Giles tried to change some of that in maybe influence when the games were played and also the the standard of the hotels that the players were staying in the standard of the training ground he, he, he's probably my greatest uh, Irish player ever because I saw I saw so much of him well, and that's I, a big part of this actually his development in the mid-60s first with Manchester United and then as part of that great Leeds United team that's the start of the television era that suddenly you're able to see these guys maybe not every week but you're getting to see them more than you would have in the previous decades. And there is an Irish player, a dub, right in the middle of this great Leeds United team. Playing for one of the top teams mm. that should have won a lot more than they did in Giles' time. They won two leagues, they won a cup, they won a league cup, beaten in the, champ- in the Champions League final or European Cup final by, by Bayern Munich, which I think was his last game for Leeds mm. before he, he left and took the player-manager job at West Brom. But seeing him on match of day for Leeds and that brilliant team at Bremner and Jack Charlton and Peter Lorimer and all the greats and Rini and Terry Cooper that, Alan Clark the brilliant brilliant leads him and he was the top player he was the boss on the pitch small man but dominating the game with his passing play his ability to receive the ball in, in difficult areas when he was marked 
the courage to get on it. And he played the international game the same way, the Irish international team. And people, when nowadays we hear people talking about a new style for the Irish international team, it, it's, it's balderdash. The Irish team of that era, when John Giles was player and player manager, played passing football. He, he insisted the ball was played out from the back to him. John Giles ensured that we dominated most of our international games. I mean, you, the, the, the two biggest legendary games, I suppose, are the Russia, the 3-0 when Liam Brady made the debut, and the 4-0 over Turkey. And my images of those games is him bossing it. And his influence then for my generation on our TV screens and the greatest days for Irish football in Stuttgart at Italian 90 onto Giant Stadium and almost looking forward to the pole show as much as the actual game itself and the influence that Giles and Dunphy and Brady had on I guess how we analyse football in this country with an incredibly critical eye because of the way they looked at football. He, he did have influence on the game because his opinions were 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 admired and respected, and he influenced the decision making of you know football clubs and particularly of the FAI of the different eras. There's no doubt, no doubt about that. I was fortunate enough to meet him when I was a youngish coach around the place and have a few words, and I always got words of encouragement from him. And when I worked to him initially in TV, he was he was helpful and encouraging and respectful of my opinion as well, which 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 meant a lot to me at the time for someone who was so experienced in the game, had such a magnificent career as a player a magnificent managerial come player career and then as a manager and uh, I suppose the fact he packed it in as a manager in his early 40s he was someone that was lost the game that could have had more mm. inf- influence on the future of Irish game had he continued in the game and continued to help coaches rather than just doing the analysis on the telly Roy Keane his influence on Irish football, did his influence, has anyone been more influential for the stand he took in Saipan? I don't think it, it's, it's a question of who was right or who, who was wrong at this stage. Um, the sadness, I think, for, for, for us all, and I think even for Roy, was that he didn't play in the, in the World Cup finals. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't help us. The team performed very, very well indeed without him. But the team may well have performed a lot better with him because he has been an absolutely outstanding international player. And of that era, his, his drive and ability in the game, yes, he had a high standards and was demanding of other players but his biggest influences as a player like we talked about Paul McGrath we talked about Roy playing playing in, in um, League of Ireland football with Cove I can remember very very well um, you know sending my, my assistant to see Cove in the cup match against St Francis in 1990 a cup replay and come back and telling me I said there was a Donald for Francis. Francis, I think, won convincingly, maybe three nothing or something against Cove, who were the Division One team. Francis was non-league team, but he said there was a young lad, little lad playing in the middle of the field, and he was extra brilliant. He was this icon for that generation of Irish football fans who grew up, firstly on Stuttgart and then on Italia ninety. That suddenly, then, as they were developing into footballers themselves, here is somebody from Ireland running the show for the biggest club, the most successful club in the world, seven Premier League titles, but as football exploded and the Premier League exploded, he was the man. 
Yeah, well, look, there's no 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 doubt about that. He is one of the most influential players in the, in the in the Premier League. I mean, obviously, the successes he had with Manchester United, the extraordinary level of, of success, influential for Alex Ferguson, um, possibly the, the the first name in the team sheet for all those years until ultimately they fell out. His ability to get forward, score crucial goals, drive a team on from the most difficult positions, particularly. Think of uh, the Juventus game when it looked like it slipped away from them, and he was the one that got in and got the header on the near post. But you know, we saw that with Ireland as well. His drive, his ability, but that drive is a word that that, that signifies personality, but it's ability to have the the speed and aggression and the timing to get there before the opposition player, to weigh up passes, to make incisive passes, to arrive in the penalty area at the right time, to be back in the box covering your centre-halves or your full-backs when it's required. He was the all-round player and, quite, and, and did play at the back at times when it was required. He didn't see him as a centre-forward ever in his game, but a magnificent player. You were the Ireland manager that brought him back in from the cold. So you've seen him inside a dressing room and the influence he can have. Now he's coming in in a different situation to how he left. What was he like in terms of inspiring those around him? What I saw when he when he came in was that his influence on the, the training, on the tempo of the training, because uh, the rest of the players respected him, but also they knew they were under, under pressure to deliver what he expected for them and what he was able to deliver himself. So that was instantly satisfying for me to see that in the in the dressing room there was a, a respect of his presence and his personality among the lads kind of my regret was that maybe I didn't I wasn't involved with him maybe a couple of years earlier when he was at his absolute prime he was suffering from some injury ongoing injury issues related to his hip injury and the operation on that which probably inhibited him slightly in performing at, at the level he would have wanted but you know, exceptionally brilliant player, and it was a, it was a, it was brilliant, brilliant for me to have some time working with him and to get to know him a, a little bit, and uh, to be involved with one of the, the greatest players that ever played for Ireland. Liam Brady, or should it just be Liam Brady's left foot? Liam Brady has had a massive influence on on Irish football. Had an extraordinary career. Um, I suppose the pity was that he missed out on, on, let's say, the golden era of his qualifying for European Championships mm. and the World Cup. He was one who I saw as a schoolboy player playing with St. Kevin's. But he got into the Arsenal team and then he had that fabulous debut for Ireland against Russia in the uh, 1974. The courage he had on the ball and, and, and the style of him, the swaggering style, the feints in the middle of the field as he dribbled by players. And, you know, you think that, that game, that it was actually USSR, it wasn't Russia as now, but it was the USSR which was the full package. One of his greatest performances in his first game, he went on to have a, a, a great career with Arsenal, player of the year, I think for maybe three or four years in a row, then went off to Italy. Well, that, that's maybe the most interesting aspect of Brady's career is that he was such a trailblazer in how he went to Syria A and was a success because if you look at players who've gone from English league football to Italy it was John Charles and then 20 years later Liam Brady and Manny went in between and tried and couldn't make it work and after and couldn't make it work like Brady didn't just go 
and become a part of Juventus team. He went and became one of the best players in the world. That's very true. Other than John Charles Greaves, and uh, would have had a go with it and, and and didn't last too too long. But when he he, he went there, it was Rapatoni that signed him, and Juventus were already a, a, a great team. But he immediately established himself in another great Juventus team and he had two years there where they won won the title twice the the problem for us for us Irish people at the time was that there was very little coverage of Serie A we didn't see this happening we read about it we knew about it but here was an Irish player a youngish Dublin player who was was, like many of us at that time played in the DDSL played in the school with with St. Kevin's he goes and dominates English football goes to Italy which was considered the top league in Europe at that time ahead of uh, English football the first division and and wins two two titles with Juventus and then moves on does a couple of years at at Sampdoria um, and and stays in Italy for seven years Mm. at the top Uh, really outstanding career coming back to play for Ireland Liam in some ways he he was like a winger playing in the middle middle of midfield because he could beat men he wasn't I wouldn't have said he had fantastic pace or acceleration but he had trickery and composure on the ball and a a, a way of swaying and putting the player off balance and driving away and then he had that bit of acceleration but he'd also got great shooting boots he could shoot Liam from long range and score goals we don't see that so much at midfield players now now that onus is left on the striker but Liam Brady had that ability to break the lines to break through to run beyond to get past the centre backs and get himself to be up and support whereas Giles was the build up player Giles was the with Bremner they let the, the full backs get forward it was a great balance in the Irish team when both of them played together Liam was coming in as the young player Giles was probably in the latter part of his career and they were a lovely balance and it, you know, it was a pity again that we didn't qualify for it was much more difficult in those days for us to qualify but another extraordinary player you can't have a list of most influential and Irish football without Jack Charlton who changed Irish football forever you've been involved in Irish football forever it's a bit harsh for for, for a while for a few years at this stage Uh, did the view of football within this country change because of what Jack Charlton did the success of the Charlton years had a major impact in how football was seen by the population in Ireland by a, by a vast part of the population who didn't really have much contact or weren't that interested in, in football but what changed with the Charlton era was that football clubs sprung up in every town and village around Ireland people who never went to soccer matches started going to soccer matches people started following the Irish team and all all Irish teams but particularly the soccer team who never had the never had the interest in the past there's no doubt that that had an impact on the development of the game um, in Ireland and the num- on the numbers playing the game on the participation levels in the game because I mean look I went to loads of matches in the 60s and 70s and saw us losing lots of games I saw us winning games as well against great teams and, and beating the likes of Spain and Italy but there was a lot of days we lost games and we just didn't quite make it and particularly during Owen Hans area when we missed out on goal difference and missed out by a point and we, we were nearly there but that changed in the Jack Charlton time but you look at it now it's much more much easier to qualify there's much 
much more country, more countries competing because of the breakup of Yugoslavia and the USSR. It's changed how the country looks at our international football ever since. People are waiting on us to qualify. They're hoping we're going to qualify. It's a major disappointment when we don't qualify for tournaments now. Because of the celebration, it's such a celebration of a, of a tournament and a country when you get there. It proved it could be done. It, it meant that there was a lot more pressure in the managers after that to reproduce the success. I think it was also fair to say that there was a lot of managers before Jack who had Helped the development of, uh, of the players and 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 found some of the players that became the backbone of his team. He had a unbelievable football heritage. You know, part of the England team in '66, part of that great Leeds United side. His brother, arguably England's greatest ever player. But it's almost the force of personality that came to the fore with Ireland. Never mind the great football brain and the tactical side of it, which would often come in for criticism. He, he, he embraced everything about the country. Yeah, maybe so. Except for the League of Ireland, he didn't embrace people. He didn't embrace people that were involved in football in Ireland at the time. And I'd have to say that because I was scrapping away like many people in, in the League of Ireland, and and we we didn't we were detached from the international team. We didn't we didn't feel like we'd ever involved in that. But he embraced Irish society and you know he embraced Irish people and certainly the Irish public in general Irish people clung on to that and have uh, people that were around in that era have magnificent uh, memories of the whole journey, uh, the challenge to get to the various places they had to get to, and the journey involved, and then the joy around the game, and the, the madness in advance. I mean, often the, the the joy around games is the build up and the and, and the the uh, tension about how is it going to go. The games the games themselves are often quite mm. torturous. I mean, I still find that to this day. I find games torturous if I'm looking for the result. The joy is at the end of the match, <laughs> at the very end, and in in the build-up to the game. The Irish supporters knocked the best sport out of it that anyone could have. When they travelled, they enjoyed it. And they brought people with them. And, and people, I think in the various countries they went to, people saw Irish people different light. And it certainly had a massive influence on Irish standing in, in I'd say, in world society and in, in how Irish people were viewed. So, you know, Jack certainly had an impact and an influence on that. The OTB Football Roadshow in association with Cadbury FC.